If you're a fan of Inside the Vatican, then you would love all of the other smart Catholic resources from America Magazine. Every day, you can find the best in Catholic media from America, whether it's the daily scripture reflections, Vatican analysis, or culture reviews from a Catholic perspective. You need to be reading America for a well-rounded Catholic point of view. And there's never been a better time to try it. To introduce more people to America during the season of Lent, you can try a subscription to America for just $1 for your first month. If you're already a subscriber, this is a great chance to introduce America to someone else in your life. So please help us spread the word. To take advantage of this $1 offer, visit www.americamagazine.org forward slash trial. That's americamagazine.org slash trial. Or click the link in the show notes. Welcome to Inside the Vatican with America Media. Each week, veteran Vatican reporter Gerard O'Connell and I take you behind the headlines for an intergenerational conversation about the biggest stories out of the Vatican. This week, we're covering how Australia's financial watchdog admitted that it had overestimated the amount of money that had been transferred from the Vatican to Australia by 1.5 billion US dollars. We'll talk about how such a big mistake was made. After that, Jerry and I will explain a little bit about the Vatican judicial system. It's entering a busy period with a few significant trials coming up. But at the same time, questions have been raised about the integrity of the system. We'll explain all of that on this week's show. I'm Colleen Deli. This is Inside the Vatican. Good morning from New Orleans, Jerry. Good afternoon from Rome, Colleen. It's a cold day here in Rome. We've got the first couple breaths of spring here. We're going up to 70 degrees this week. So, Jerry, there's a lot going on in Italy right now. Can you give me a little bit of an update? Well, in terms of the COVID, uh, they've vaccinated, I think, more more than one, two million people. But uh, the vaccines have come in slower than had been anticipated. The Vatican has also started its vaccinations, right? Francis and Benedict are both confirmed to have been vaccinated last week. Yes, bo- both of them. Uh, Francis uh, last Wednesday and uh, Benedict on Thursday. And uh, they will have the second vaccine in uh, uh, three weeks' time. The Vatican also has decided to amend its liturgical ceremonies, right? This is this is brand new today. Well, yes, they haven't announced it publicly, but I've learned that today the, the Master of Ceremonies has informed all the Vatican cardinals, bishops, uh, clergy, etc., that for the foreseeable future, the Pope will celebrate, the, uh, lead the lit- main liturgies in the Vatican only with the presence of cardinals and a limited number of lay people. And that's, of course, continuing what we've seen since last February. And then there's a second thing that uh, our listeners might be interested in knowing, Colleen, that next Friday, about two or three o'clock New York time, Pope Francis will have surpassed the length of the pontificate of Benedict XVI. Benedict XVI was pope for seven years, ten months, and nine days. It's 2,872 days. And Francis will now surpass this next Friday evening. Mm-hmm. And Jerry, uh, in, in your view, there's there's no end in sight to this, right? 
No, I have said many times there is no conclave on the horizon. Francis is in good health, he's in good spirits, and he's looking forward uh, to traveling this year as soon as possible. He hopes to Iraq that we should know by the end of this week or maybe by the time we meet next week. We should know whether that visit will go ahead because there are some problems in terms of security, in terms of COVID that have to be resolved. And I see today that the cardinals in India had a meeting with the Prime Minister Modi and have asked him to invite the Pope to India. And, uh, you know, Pope Francis has a lot of work on his plate still. So that's probably also another reason why there there would be no conclave on the horizon. Uh, so let's transition into talking about that. So we have a big story about finances in the Vatican this week, which is that last week, Australia's financial watchdog, Austrac, admitted that it had overestimated in the amount of money that had been transferred from the Vatican to Australia between 2014 and 2020 by 1.5 billion U.S. dollars. So... This money was being sent from the Vatican to Australia. Uh, They were interested in this period because it aligned with when Cardinal Pell was on trial. And there was some talk of maybe money being sent from the Vatican to influence Pell's trial against him, basically. Um, Why why was this question raised, Jerry? And and what do we make of this money? Well, you've you've got to go back to a very curious reporting in some of the Italian papers in December of last year, which said that money had been sent from the Vatican to Australia to influence uh, the case against uh, Cardinal Pell. Mm -hmm. Significantly, the Italian newspapers never gave any sources for it. They said, uh, we have learned, but they, they don't say from whom or where. Now, this became news in Australia because Cardinal Pell had been just come out of prison and uh, was back in the Vatican. And so one of the liberal members of parliament asked a question that they wanted the Australian government's international financial watchdog to give a report to the parliament. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the financial watchdog called Austrac gave a report and said that 2.3 billion Australian dollars were transferred from the Vatican to Australia in the six-year period between 2014, that's the year when Pell became uh, head of the Vatican uh, Secretariat for the Economy, and 2020. And they said specifically in the year 2017, that's the year when Pell was on trial, that more than 500 million Australian dollars was transferred. Now, Jerry, can you put this in perspective for me? Because that's like way out of the realm of what would be possible for the Vatican, right? Well, there are two things here, Colleen. First, the figure of more than 500 million being transferred from the Vatican in one year, the year Pell, Cardinal Pell was in trial, 2017. It's, it's a little ludicrous because... Uh, the Vatican's normal budget mm-hmm. for a year, the annual budget is around 300, 320 million. So it would exceed the budget. And then they said, Colleen, just one other thing, they said that it was transferred in more than 40,000 transactions in a period of six years. And I, I calculated you'd have to be making at least 14 transactions a day. So it's amazing that anybody with a little common sense could say, well, do these figures stand up? So how do they account for this error? 
they attributed it and very calmly said, well, it was a coding error, but it, it is really amazing. But uh, it, had, it did damage because it uh, gave the impression that the Vatican was involved in some very shady money laundering, some very unclear business, perhaps trying to influence the trial of Cardinal Pell. And of course, Cardinal Pell, uh, the Australian bishops couldn't believe it. They asked the Vatican to, they asked the Pope, can, can you get your people to throw some light on this? Because we knew nothing about this money. And Cardinal Pell, of course, had it uh, uh, into the fire when he said, well, there's usually no smoke without fire. Right. Pell has implied before that that he had enemies in the Vatican who might have been willing to set all of these accusations up. Well, the Cardinal knew there were people who strongly opposed him and uh, tried also to do everything to tarnish his image when he was here as prefect, as the man in charge of the Vatican finances, trying to clean up. But uh, to believe that someone in the Vatican, and the insinuation was that it would be then Archbishop Becciu, the third most powerful man in the Vatican, who was clearly opposed to Pell in the financial uh, operations, uh, that he, he may have had a hand in it. So, you know, th th this really is, we're in the world of science fiction. So, Jerry, let me ask you a question then. You know, they overestimated this by 1.5 billion U.S. dollars. Um but the actual amount that was sent from the Vatican to Australia in this time period from 2014 to 2020 was 9.5 million Australian dollars, which to me still sounds like a really big amount. I was wondering if you could put that in context for me. Like, is it normal for the Vatican to send this much money to Australia? And, and what would it be for? Well, we don't quite know what it's for. The Vatican, they said it was for contractual obligations. We don't quite know what that was. And for ordinary management of its own resources, it may have investments that we don't know. They haven't actually spelt out this, but they feel very confident that there was no malpractice here. There was no money laundering. And it's significant, I think, that the three Australian bodies, which could have subsequently investigated this figure, have decided not to do so. Hmm. Why is that interesting? Well, uh, the, first of all, because the, the government watchdog said the figure is really no, 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 not so significant. Uh, the, the police, they decided they didn't have sufficient evidence to proceed on anything. And another uh, agency, uh, which is anti-corruption, felt uh, it, it didn't have any solid grounds to open an investigation on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is significant. All right, Jerry, uh, this is a pretty complicated story. I really appreciate your your really succinct summary there. It's, it's super helpful for me and for the listeners. Um, if our listeners want to learn more, we have Jerry's reporting on this story that I will link to in the show notes. You can also find that at americamagazine.org, along with all of our coverage. This Monday, the Milan Court of Appeal had to decide whether or not to extradite Cecilia Maronia to the Vatican, but the Vatican dropped the request. The Vatican prosecutor assures that Cecilia Maronia will be tried very soon at the Vatican for embezzlement. All right, for our second story today, we are expecting several Vatican trials in the near future. We're going into kind of a busy season. There will soon be a verdict in the case of the former head of the Vatican Bank, who was accused of embezzlement. And the Vatican's also hearing a trial on an altar boy who served in St. Peter's Basilica, who was says he was abused between 2007 and 2012. And then there will also be a trial on the London property scandal. Um, and 
I want to zoom in on one case in particular uh, this week, which is that the Vatican's judicial system is expected to try a woman who received money from Cardinal Angelo Becciu, who we were just talking about, uh, who's under investigation. But this woman ostensibly performed intelligence consulting work for Becciu uh, related to freeing Christian hostages. And the Vatican prosecutors have accused this woman, Cecilia Maronia, of embezzling more than 500,000 euros from the Vatican and never performing the work that she was paid for, instead spending more than half of the money on luxury goods. Uh, and like Cardinal Becciu, Ms. Maronia denies any wrongdoing. So this is this is believed to be part of the widespread corruption investigation that was sparked by the Vatican's 350 million euro London finance scandal. But the interesting part is that on Monday of last week, the Vatican really abruptly dropped its request to extradite Ms. Maronia from Italy. Uh, and analysts are saying that this might be because her lawyers could have argued that she couldn't be extradited because the Vatican's not a place where a defendant is guaranteed a fair trial. So this is this is a big question about, you know, the integrity of the Vatican's judicial system, which can sound pretty surprising to hear. Um, so, Jerry, I wanted to ask you to kind of explain the basics here. Why why would the Vatican not be considered a place where a fair trial is guaranteed? It's difficult to say what exactly her lawyers are saying. They're saying she will not get a fair trial. This is not necessarily the case. It would be a trial by a different legal system. I think it's difficult for somebody in a democratic state to understand quite the complexities of the Vatican judicial system. The Vatican, since 1929, when the Vatican city-state came into existence, it has operated a... a legal, a positive law system, and it has also had a canon law system. So there's one set of uh, judicial process which deals with church law and one set which deals with civil law or penal law. In this system, it has uh, it does not have trial by jury. It has a system which allows for a single judge to deal with certain cases. These would be limited cases, track figure offenses, petty theft, this kind of thing. The second uh, type would be a tribunal with four judges. These are all lay people, experts in law, professors. Some of them have been may have been judges before in the Italian system, and these would be Italians. And th they would be the, the first major instance for example, which will deal with the London property scandal. Then there's a, a court of appeal, which has four members. But then there's the Supreme Court, which is the final court beyond which there's no uh, appeal. And that has three members. So it's a different system. Secondly, it's not a court that is in, in session every day like you would have in, in, in a normal democratic state. Thirdly, it's got a prosecutor's office. And the prosecutor, uh, so some people criticize because the prosecutor is not overseen by a, a judge. So uh, the prosecutor then can take action and the, the Pope can invite the prosecutor to take action. Which he did in the London finance case. We've talked about that a bunch of times. Yes, when the magistrates went to him and they said, uh, we have, we're gathering this evidence, we see a problem. He says, go and investigate. And so they, they go ahead. They use the Vatican police for the investigation. Uh, the gendarmerie, and then you have lawyers as well. If a person like will be the ca case in the London properties where Italian citizens 
are being brought to trial in the Vatican because they've worked in the Vatican or they've been involved in deals with the Vatican, but they're being brought to trial, they can bring their own lawyers. They will be given access to the information once the charges have been made. Now, what has been happening in the Italian press recently is the Vatican judges have given some information to the Italian press in terms of a, the extradition case. But also there have been some leaks of information. So it's difficult to know exactly what the final charges. The Vatican prosecutors have not yet laid specific charges against any specific individual. But I think part of the complaint here is that that this process moves fairly slowly, right? Is, is that because the Vatican judicial system is part-time? The Vatican system, uh, the judges generally, they are professors, experts in law uh, who work in Italy or in, in, uh, in the Vatican. They're laymen and, and they have other jobs. So it, it, it works slowly because it's not as if the courts are in session every day. This is not the case. What is the Pope's role in this judicial system? Because it, it kind of seems like everything comes back to him, right? The Pope is the uh, absolute legislator and judge. It's, it's a monarchy in a way. Uh, so it, it works both ways because whereas if you were prosecuted in the United States, convicted and sent to court, then you could have an appeal court. In extreme case, the president might give you a pardon. Here in the Vatican, the Pope can intervene and has intervened as in the case of the butler. This is the butler who leaked uh, information from Benedict's papacy. Who filtered out documents from the Pope's desk to Italian journalists. Right. So in one case, uh, a Pope can give a pardon, but I guess that could, could also go the other way, right? They can exercise mercy in a way that is very seldom seen, if ever, in a state court in other countries. Mm-hmm. But I imagine that can also go the other way, right? They can choose to to be harsh if they want. Yes, but the courts have independence of the Pope in making their judgment. I think that's important to say. He doesn't interfere with the judgment of the, of the court. He, he may give a pardon, but he doesn't interfere in the judges when they make their decision in the court. Jerry, I know that Pope Francis is working on this new constitution for the Roman Curia and that this judicial system is, is considered part of the Roman Curia. Do you think that any of these questions that are coming up now might might influence the Curia Constitution or might, I know that it's already done actually, so maybe not influence, but do you think that this this would come up in the new Constitution? Uh, the, the, the Constitution is a different thing. In te- we're here talking about the fundamental law of the Vatican City State. In the fundamental law of the Vatican City State, Francis has already introduced changes. One in terms of the financial money laundering, so, so as to be able to operate on the international monetary scene, they have adopted all the regulations that have been that are required of states in dealing with financial transactions. Francis has also introduced uh, changes in terms of the abuse cases and the sexual abuse cases or the abuse of power against minors. And he has introduced also lifted the secrecy over the evidence against people in, in abuse cases. So Several changes have taken place under this pontificate, which have gradually modified the old Italian legislation, which the Vatican took on board in 1929. But it's it's a work in process, Colleen. Some of those changes that you mentioned that have been applied to sex abuse cases are 
actually in line with some of the things that the Vatican's uh, general judicial system is being criticized for right now, right? The slowness and the lack of transparency, the access to the documents. Um, so as you mentioned, it's a work in progress. So we'll have to see if if any of those changes are made on a larger scale in Francis's gradual steps towards transparency. Um, and we'll also have to see what, what comes out in these cases. So, Jerry, I really appreciate you taking the time to kind of walk me through how this this complicated and, and very different system uh, that I'm not too used to uh, works. And thanks, thanks for taking the time to explain that and taking the time to talk with me today. Thank you, Colleen. There's a lot to look forward to next week. And we will have next Monday, the Pope will address the diplomatic corps. And that should be of much interest to everybody. All right. So we'll talk about that next week. See ya. Inside the Vatican is a production of America Media. This week's episode was produced by Sebastian Gomes. Production assistance from the Jesuit Curia in Rome and from Kevin Christopher Robles. Inside the Vatican is mixed by Noah Levinson. You can find in-depth and up-to-date Vatican coverage at americamagazine.org and follow us on Twitter at I-N-S-D-E Vatican Pod. That's inside without the second I, Vatican Pod. You can also email us your questions and comments at insidethevatican at americamedia.org. And if you want to support our work here on Inside the Vatican, the best way to do that is by subscribing to America Magazine. You can do that at americamagazine.org slash subscribe. And thanks so much for supporting us. If you're a fan of Inside the Vatican, then you would love all of the other smart Catholic resources from America Magazine. Every day, you can find the best in Catholic media from America, whether it's the daily scripture reflections, Vatican analysis, or culture reviews from a Catholic perspective. You need to be reading America for a well-rounded Catholic point of view. And there's never been a better time to try it. To introduce more people to America during the season of Lent, you can try a subscription to America for just $1 for your first month. If you're already a subscriber, this is a great chance to introduce America to someone else in your life. So please help us spread the word. To take advantage of this $1 offer, visit www.americamagazine.org forward slash trial. That's americamagazine.org slash trial. Or click the link in the show notes.